Hey everybody, this is Jabez, uh, the host of The Library Scoop, the official podcast for the Niles Bain District Library. I have an awesome guest with me today. He is the mayor of the Niles Township. Uh, we're going to have an awesome conversation, and I hope it's going to be insightful, and I hope you enjoy it. Now, let's welcome Mayor Chavello to The Library Scoop. Well, thank you, uh, Mayor Chavello, for taking the time out of your busy day to join us. Um, how have you been, and how has your uh, quarantine been? <laughs> I suspect it's been like so many others, uh, the desire to uh, return to the previous normal and uh, wanting to get a haircut, and finally I did today, um, and and just, uh, you know, staying close to home, and uh, I feel like, like a prairie family uh, of uh, three, there's three of us and two dogs here, so we don't see many people. Uh, occasionally, yeah. lately, we've been having some people come over uh, in the backyard, social distance. But uh, right. other than that, the whole time was just uh, seclusion. One thing I did have the pleasure is uh, my daughter, who lives in Manhattan, she graduated uh, college and moved to Manhattan, works in the fashion. And, of course, she her, her business was closed because of COVID. And was happened to be in Chicago. So for the last uh, 10, 11 weeks now, I've spent uh, time with uh, a 38-year-old woman that I thought I knew but really didn't know. And it was really <laughs> a lot of fun getting to know her. Additionally, I just uh, spend my time, uh, I'm determined to get my weight down. So I'm on my Nordic track machine here. Oh, nice. I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, re I'm reading a lot. and. Uh, I'm trying to teach myself how to play the piano. And kudos to you because I cannot play an instrument to save my life. Um, maybe you can. I was walking through Barnes & Noble once, maybe 12, 15 years ago, and at the very counter where checkout, yeah. um, there was a, uh, a little paperback. It was a, you know, catch-me book. Yeah. And it was Zen guitar. And the whole point of it was is that if you get yourself into a place where the music and the learning of it inhabits your inner soul, your spirit, your brain. Mm -hmm. You go Zen, and then you just increase your learning ability tenfold. So it's all about going Zen. Well, I have to find my Zen place, and then I'll report back to you if I found it. Yeah, well, it gives <laughs> a good, good chance to talk further. Oh, absolutely. Recall to me, it's like, how long have you been the mayor of Niles? And in your viewpoint, like, how has the village changed? Well, I'm in my eighth year, uh, but I was a trustee for 24 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was under the strong mayor of Nicholas Blaze. And I learned a lot from him uh, what to do and sometimes what not to do. And uh, so in that time and the time that it's different today, is all about the technology, uh, the digital revolution, and uh, Niles has always been super fortunate to have a lot of retail sales, shopping. Right. We don't have we don't have a cute downtown, but we do have two WalMarts, we have two Targets, we have two Home Depots, uh, we have the largest grossing Costco in the region. So we always had those things, plus a golf mill and everything else but now as as people are shopping more and more online it comes to pass that our our revenue uh is being outpaced by our expenditures 
And so we have to be very, very careful uh, about all those good things that we're able to uh, make available to the residents of Niles uh, and make sure we can still do that with some frugality, uh, not, not changing anything too much, but just operating smarter, if you will. So that's the basic change. But it's all about strategizing with the best moves for the near future, but you're absolutely mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So that's the only thing. Uh, we're making great strides, you know, and you have to sell yourself. You just can't let your housing stock uh, sell itself. We have to make our housing stock more desirable, if you will, right. for the fact that we have great schools, we have a great library, we have a great park district, and we have great uh, municipal services. So, but we have to get that message out. So that's one of the things that we're doing differently, smarter, I think. Yeah. And, and to piggyback on what you said, I can definitely agree with the marketing standpoint. I feel like the last three to four years, I've seen a lot of marketing about Niles and the services has increased during my time here. And so, yeah. so how did you find yourself in Niles? I grew up in the city of Chicago and the quality of life in Chicago wasn't there. I mean, back then, old Mayor Daley didn't uh, pay much attention to the schools. They have gotten dramatically better now. But back then they weren't. So, and my father's business was uh, drying up. So he had to make a decision whether or not to move the family in the business or retire and still move the family. But he ended up buying two properties in Niles on Milwaukee Avenue. By this time, I was away at a boarding school. Mm -hmm. I had the two, three older children. We went to a boarding school. So he moved the business to Niles, uh, the family moved uh, to Lincolnwood, and then I became familiar with Niles through the business. Right. Um, now, in 1980, I was, uh, I was uh, 30 years old, 29 years old, I should say. I got married, and that's when I bought a home and started to raise a family in Niles. So though I didn't grow up here, since I was 14 years old, actually 16 years old, I should say, uh, I worked in my family's uh, restaurant business here in Niles. Uh, my fondest memory, as you ask, is uh, of buying that house, uh, fixing it up, raising a family. I had two children in that home, and it was a great time. I worked in Niles. I lived in Niles. I was all Niles at that point. Did you ever grow up thinking you wanted to be the mayor? No, I really had hardly any. <laughs> See, I, I'm not very politically ambitious. Uh, the fact that I was a Democratic committeeman, I ran the Democratic politics in Maine mm -hmm. Township for, I think, eight or nine years. Uh, it just came natural that when the vacancy happened, that I would step up to the plate. I mean, I, I knew the score. I knew what was going on. I knew the budgets. I knew everything about it. Right. So I was uniquely qualified to do it. But, you know, some people say, oh, well, what are you going to do now? Because we have term limits now. Mm -hmm. So and next April, I'm out of the mayor's job. And frankly speaking, I, I, I don't know. I, I have no political ambition. If something comes up, I may look at it where I can have an impact and contribute. But if it doesn't, uh, you know, then it doesn't. So. I, I don't want to sound wishy-washy. I love being oh, no, mayor, and I'm glad I, I don't regret a minute of being mayor, but I don't know. I, some people live and breathe this. Some people just, you know, they just adore the fact that they could, you know, be a chief executive, and 
yeah i think if you ha if you have that attitude you're probably in the wrong uh, frame of mind right because you know if you want something that bad generally speaking i think you really have to examine it well this will be your last um, year as mayor what would your legacy be by curiosity there's I want to say a long list. I didn't compile the list, but uh, <laughs> since since I got elected, I, yeah, I, I, here I'm a progressive Democrat. Mm -hmm. I always look at things as they are and say, how could they be perhaps better? But my legacy, I believe, is going to be that I try to set up the village for these hard economic times. You know, where I tell you that revenue is not keeping pace with expenditures, and as much as I created uh, five uh, TIF districts which will be strategically positioned to bring back some of those brick and mortar stores and also grow uh, the EAV, which is the assessed evaluation mm -hmm. of property values because all of right. Milwaukee Avenue is primed for redevelopment mm -hmm. and primed for the village to step in. Uh, the other thing is we've got the leaning tower, uh, the, uh, on Tui, right. that's 80 acres of a TIF district, mm -hmm. uh, and then we've got we've got Oakton and Waukegan as a TIF district by the library there. If all of those, all of that property grows according to the experts, what they said is possible, right. then your property tax will support the high expenditures that we have. Um, in addition, that I suspect we'll have uh, sales tax. Because mm -hmm. the leaning the leaning tower area there on Tui, mm -hmm. Tui Gross Point, mm -hmm. that's supposed to be an entertainment district, the likes of which Rosemont has right now. If you've ever been in Rosemont, yes, uh, that's the vision. Uh, getting there is the hardest thing to do because you have to put all the pieces of the puzzle together and get the developers to come in. One of the key things that any developer on that parcel there is a train station. Ooh. If we can, if we can get a train station between Edgebrook and Morton Grove, if we can get somewhere in there, we very likely could have 900 uh, multifamily residences on Lehigh. Mm -hmm. uh, 900 apartments can dramatically affect our revenue stream. So the devil's in the details, but you got to work it, and you got to work okay. it all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm fact that we're always trying to build communities block parties there were about four or five block parties traditionally in the village so i said well why don't we make this easy for people let's mm -hmm. create an office in the village hall where they can submit their uh, application for a block party mm -hmm. and i said then let's bring out little tents the village will own tents and tables and chairs to bring community together because usually a block party everybody just camps out on the driveway and the kids play in the street, and then the fire department comes, the police department comes, and yeah. they all have a lot of fun. But if we if we give them the tables, the chairs, the tents, then they're off their driveway and they're back together. Oh, and we also had a grill. We we bring a grill for the block party. So the Christmas tree lighting, the block parties, those are two examples of building community. You know, to the fact that you know the the new bumper sticker is Love Niles. That goes to that. Right. And also leading um, into community, um, I want to know your take on this issue. It's like, I know the last three weeks to a month has been a rough 
uh, state for our country when it comes to uh, police brutality and when it comes to riot, rioting and some looting within our country. But we've seen a lot of uh, peaceful protesting and community strength in this time and a lot of diversity being shown throughout this difficult time. I just want to know your take when it comes to Niles. It's like, how do you see diversity in the township or village and how do you respond to this? Well, again, you know, I'm a kid in the sixties. Vietnam was my favorite protest topic. Hmm. And, and I want to say I was right about it. (laughs) (laughs) Lyndon Johnson got it wrong, but I got it right. So I believe in peaceful protest. Right. I think it, it's, it, you just don't always wait until an election time. When something is not right, you need to voice your opinion. You need to write your congressman, your senator, your mayor, whoever, and you need mm-hmm. to step up to the plate. Now, if it comes to uh, peaceful protesting, God bless. I think every trustee is on board with that, and the police chief and the police department are on board with it. And at the same time, the genesis for that was really was a brutal, I'll call it a killing because the, the police officer was charged with first degree murder. So let's say, it's a presumption, but let's say you look at use of force. Use of force is a very tricky thing because by state law, the policeman has the right to use any means available to him to effectuate an arrest. Now, that means weapons, that means hand-to-hand combat, that could mean a lot of things. And most of the time, people are peaceful and, and wait for their day in court. But when it's not, then the police officer has to do something to preserve law and order. What I did, because I felt it personally, and because I heard from the citizens of Niles, I charged the uh, chief of police to come up with uh, practices and policies that will not allow for the chokehold being used in Niles, Mm -hmm. that we work something out that's better than the chokehold. We've also are training our policemen on how to de-escalate a situation. We're also training our policemen how to themselves manage their personal uh, feelings in an arrest situation. Let's not forget, policemen are human beings too. Absolutely. And so we have to work together. But to the point, I believe in peaceful protest, and I also believe that um, there has to be some kind of training and restraint on how they effectuate that arrest. And so next Tuesday at our board meeting, Chief Tagera will be making a full report that I, I know about because I talked to him yesterday about it. Mm-hmm. And it will outline some of these things that uh, we need to make sure that does not happen in Niles. We can't have that. Right. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I mean, at the same time, although it did not happen here, but it's just like that moment had made us look ourselves in the mirror. So like, how can we learn from this moment, strengthen our community, or how to revisit procedures and to change police performance, or how to make sure our neighbor is okay during this difficult time? I've never seen anything like it. I thought that after a week, everything would calm down, but it hasn't. And that's good, because that means realistic 
change will happen. No, I agree. It's something that was very uncomfortable of watching. But at the same time, I mean, it's been going on for quite a while when it comes to like injustice. I'm glad to see that our nation and also our community has taken a strong stance of peaceful and also love at the same time. I pray it won't ever happen in Niles or anywhere else. Before we end, as you know, we've been through a pandemic the last three or four months, and there's been sometimes misinformation about the virus. My question to you as a leader of the village, so how do you get your information and what does that process look like to determine what is the best strategies to make sure not only the community is safe and that we're following best practices? I think we're all, maybe not all of us, but a large portion of us are aware of uh, social media and its ability to spread misinformation. And that is a tragic consequence of some maliciousness on the part of people. Not always, but when I hear of things that are happening in Niles that are not actually happening, and they're either intentional or unintentional being propagated in a chain of emails mm-hmm. and through social media, then we have to figure out a way to combat that. Now, I started uh, two weeks ago an ad hoc committee and they are looking at all the different ways that Niles can step up to the plate and put out information. What this ad hoc committee has done already is started to disseminate information where business owners and residents alike can find out. We have to take care to protect the village of Niles because we live here. This is our home. This is your investment is your home. Uh, You have to protect that. And misinformation is is uh, all pervasive, and I fear it's going to get even worse. But in answer to your question, we've taken great steps, and it's on our website, all the sources of information that you can go to, either by phone, by uh, computer, or so through social media. And uh, we're combating it vigorously. What is something that you want the people of Niles to know as the state continues to uh, go into different phases? The, the main thing, the main thing is be less cynical about what people in authority are telling you and try to trust the science because the science doesn't lie. Even if it's coming from a person who you do not trust, it's still science. And in this case, we're talking about a governor that I supported, who I, I like, And I think he's done all the right things in providing us with a a mode to back to normalcy or the new normal, if you will. Mm. So this has not gone away. So I would say stop being cynical. Just because you think politicians or somebody is giving you a story, it's not always the case. You have to trust the science. We've all been to school. We've all learned how, you know, in chemistry and biology and physics classes, we right. learned this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very, very empirical, if you will. So stop the cynicism, trust the science. Thank you so much, Mayor, for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. And thank you for your honest takes. And uh, I hope to meet you in person. One day we will. One day Promise. we will. You know where to find me. I'll find you. (laughs) All right. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Likewise. I can't say this enough, but thank you, Mayor Savella, for taking time out of your busy day to join us on the podcast. Also, we have exciting news. We're accepting technology appointments down in the lower level. If you are interested in making copies using the computers or using our scanner, you can make an appointment at our website at nileslibrary.org. Again, it's nileslibrary.org. Hope to see you all soon.